great. Thank you. How are you? I'm ecstatic. I had an appointment this morning and on the way home, it was kind of a long drive because um, everything is in LA here. So if you live outside of LA, you're driving hours. Um, and I was listening to our podcast through the car driving home and I just was getting so amped and so excited to record today. Uh, I couldn't wait. Oh, so I'm glad. yeah, just super happy. And even with the response that we're getting, getting it's been out there. positive, so. right? It's been nice. I, yeah. I think our our um, first podcast has only been up 24 hours or so, and we're already getting quite a lot of um, sort of positivity and kind comments. And so, yeah, as you say, it makes you amped to to go to go again. So, yeah, stoked to be. Yeah, it's 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 exciting that like we're not the only ones that care, <laughs> yes, right? Like, yeah, there's other other people exactly. out there. It's, it's not um, just like us nerds in a support group of two. <laughs> yes, and we're like, don't you want to listen to us talk about Station Nineteen? No, um, so super excited, and um, even the logo, I love the logo that you and, and Julia did, and everything, and I think I I wrote in one of the. Yeah, all the editing you do. So I want everybody to know you're behind all that. I just kind of come. Oh, talk. thanks, Tiffany. No, we're we're <laughs> we're a good team because uh, you're like my you're like my hype woman. <laughs> yeah, that's like your wingman, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, no, yeah. we're a great team, and I'm just grateful to you for everything that you do. So thank you. Thank you. Um, but we are here because of season six, episode ten. Even better than the real thing. I failed. I do not have the writer. Do you know who wrote this one? Yeah, it was Alexandra Fernandez, um, and okay. she also wrote um, episode 13 of season five, which was um, Cold Blue Steel and Sweet Fire. So it was the, the candy mm. factory fire, um, yeah. and it was the one where Natasha and Sullivan, we got their backstory as well. Oh, and it was the, it was the one um, that was the beginning of Maya's unraveling because it was the one where Chief mm. Ross told her, oh, I'm not getting your captaincy back, sorry yeah so yeah. yeah and of course uh paris barkley directed and i mean need we say more about paris no always <laughs> delivers when it's paris the man always. The myth, Every the legend. yeah yeah i i think he really is in tune with what the fans want slash need and he does a good job like balancing that for yeah. sure yeah he does all the like the boom bangs and he's also really great with all the tender stuff so yes yeah, that was a good way to put it. The boom bangs and the tenders. <laughs> that should be that should be the name of the podcast. Boom not, bang and not the tenders. Lasagna. Yeah. Oh no, that's good too. We'll get into it proper, I know, but as soon as as soon as she walked in, I was like, Lasagna. And it's so funny because, you know, I watch um I used to live in Michigan, so I'd get to watch early. But now I'm on the West Coast, so I'd watch late. And I had went on Twitter to look up something and literally it was like the, the 50 posts on my timeline where she brought her lasagna, she brought her lasagna. And I was like, what? She brought her lasagna? No, no, don't, no. <laughs> and I was like trying to, and then I found myself like peeking at Twitter, like until I was waiting for it to come on. So oh, the, no, that's deadly. when did you, when did you get to watch it? When did you um, finally get to? I didn't have access to it until Saturday morning. And then my fiance won't let me watch it without her but she was very busy uh doing like sort of composery things upstairs and so I had to wait until she had like to and I kept like going up and sticking my head in the studio going can we watch it yet can we do it yet can we do it yet (laughs) (laughs) and we ended up in the end she was like oh fine so I ended up carrying my laptop upstairs 
plugging it into my monitor because we share an office. Yeah. And then she was doing stuff and then swinging round on her chair. I, I'd be like, is Martin Karina on? <laughs> and then she would, she'd stop what she was doing and swing round on her chair and then watch that scene and then go back. And then if she heard anything exciting, then she'd like swing her chair around again. So that was how I got to, got to watch it. I basically had to browbeat my fiancé into stopping what she was doing. But yeah, we watched it on Saturday. So... Did you recognize any themes in this one? Um, I thought that maybe um, it was like like sort of control, um, like certain people losing it, some people gaining it. Like um, mm-hmm. so, um, most people were spiraling um, and losing control. Um, Beckett, no control over the drink, lost control of the fire. Um, Jack doesn't know how to control or handle the relationship with his sister. Um, And then no one's in control at the station. Travis isn't in control of his future. Karina's literally lost control over her body. Um, And then uh, Maya, who is usually the one that's entirely out of control, is the only one that's taking any control over anything. And she's got some self-control this week. So um, that was the only sort of thing that, that I sprung to mind what what kind of popped up for you you know I didn't really I didn't really have much I felt like the characters were all over the place a little bit in this episode it was hard to to me the the storyline between um Marina is really kind of what cadenced the episode you know the with Karina talking to Dr. Bailey and then yes you know going back to the office a couple times that was kind of the cadence of the episode for me um they tried to carry it with Clara and Brooke which we can see the control a little bit with Jack not knowing if he should be the big brother or, you know, vice versa. But I felt like this one was all over the place. Cause then they threw in the radio show at Andy's house with Eli and, yeah. and um, Travis. So it was just like little random. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the most cohesive um, right. episode, but then maybe that kind of tells us where we are uh, and where the team is at the moment. That Everyone's got, there's yeah. like little fires everywhere kind of thing. Um, yes good way to put it yeah so everyone's kind of got their own thing going on jack's you know in his sort of quagmire and then myron myron karina in their thing travis is doesn't know what he's doing you know beckett's gonna burn the place down with his behavior and you know theo doesn't know what he should do for the best andy doesn't know what she should do for the best like you know vic's just giving everyone side eye you know so i think maybe it did feel quite chaotic it felt chaotic didn't it um yeah, yes. but but i think that maybe everyone as i say the only person that actually felt calm was maya um and when she was on screen everything kind of felt like it had been taken down a little notch and it's just mm-hmm. like the energy kind of just kind of simmered down and everything felt a little bit more grounded um which is not what we're used to but everyone seems to be in chaos and everything seems to be in flux except for maya who was just kind of chill throughout and I I have that in my I mean if we went through my notes like one by one I had that a couple times um for Maya scenes but so do you want to discuss it in blocks or do you want to do because I wrote this one in bullet points just because it was so chaotic okay Um, how do you want to do it how do you want to do it should we stick to the blocks just so that so that we're not as chaotic as the show (laughs) sure 
Cool. So shall we start with the sort of the big boom bangs then and start with the training day that turned into an incident. So we've got Station 19 versus Station 88. Um, and they're basically, it, although it's a training day, everything's competition when it's house against house, mm-hmm. right? So um, yep. we've got a super uh, testosterone fueled competitive atmosphere. And it turns out that the lieutenant from 88 is good buddies pals with Beckett um, because he was Beckett's probie and he says that Beckett's the best captain that he ever had which is interesting very so there's a there's sort of a weird tension because the lieutenant of 88 loves Beckett and everyone else on 19 has a problem with Beckett Vic calls him captain breath mints (laughs) (laughs) that made me smile there's a lot of kind of smack talk and yes and Lieutenant Cooper uh, is not a good guy to his probie. There's, they picked up on that a couple of times. Um, yes. So it seemed like, I know the word bully is strong, but he starts shoving him around. When they're going into the lineup, he's kind of shoving him around. Um, then later on, uh, he, he literally won't let him talk. Um, and uh, 19 have to show him how to use the hose to kind of like help him to find his way out of a fire if visibility is low you know and they're sort of really sweet and um and, and kind to him and he kind of says that that is not what he's used to at all but uh but yeah Beckett uh seems kind of okay he keeps pulling Cooper in to help him set everything up set up all the fires and explosions for the training day but he's very protective over his drinks bottle yes extremely and then obviously the training day turns into a live rescue when a big explosion goes off where it's not supposed to injures Cooper he's got a massive uh head lack and they have to sort of run him off to the hospital and Vic and Theo know that that something's gone horribly wrong and uh, straight away that that wasn't an accident that was badly mishandled and Vic has to kind of stop Theo from bringing it up right there and then so it's all a it's all a big mess and I noticed did you notice I've watched it back a second time and after that exchange with Vic and Theo and Theo's basically saying in not so many words Beckett's stuffed up the camera flashes to Beckett and checks his breath like breathes on his hand and checks his breath this is when they're at the training facility when they're at, yeah or so at like the, the, yeah so the, the probies like sitting on the on like getting oxygen and saying oh, cooper, cooper saved mm-hmm. my life he saved my life yeah and and um vic and theo are sort of saying yeah yeah keep your oxygen mask on and are talking amongst themselves and the camera like pans over to beckett and he kind of because mm-hmm. I, and i went back and checked again i was like did i see that and i think he's checking his breath i think he's checking to see if anyone can smell booze on him um so i think that he definitely was drinking that says to me that that he that he was drinking it definitely looked like he was checking his breath so they get back to the station and everyone's kind of spinning out and andy tries to like chill things down goes into leader role says look let's not jump to conclusions let's just focus on the here and now there's going to be an investigation let's just wait to hear what happens to cooper and then of course warren and Beckett come from the hospital and announced that Cooper's dead. Right. Theo has a blow up and says that he's set dozens of those fire training uh, things up before and he knows that it must have been a huge mistake and it's down to Beckett's drinking and he outright says to Beckett, what's in that bottle? Why haven't you needed your breath mints lately? And uh, Beckett goes on the defensive, refuses to show him the water bottle, says he won't take a breathalyzer. Well, he, he ignores Theo saying take a, a breathalyzer and instead says that he's going to threaten Theo with suspension without pay. 
without pay yeah yeah like wow okay guy um yeah and then that was that was pretty much that was almost the end of that except for um we did get a nice little scene i actually really appreciated that scene um that felt nice as well there was Mm. andy and sullivan in the kitchen making dinner together and she says to him are you okay do you need a meeting and he's like yeah do yeah and um it's kind of a nice kind of call back to their closeness and the trust between them because you sort of forget that they were married. It was such a brief thing mm. and they've both moved on and, and no one ever really talks about it and they don't act like a divorced, you know, couple. There's no, not any animosity yeah. there or anything. And they, they almost yeah. sort of not ignore each other, but because they're not close, there's, you know, you, you do forget. So so I thought that was a nice callback. And she says, "Can you know, just between you, me and nobody else, and he's like, yeah, and just between you, me, and nobody else. And they both basically yeah. trust each other with their suspicions about Beckett and the fact that he is still drinking. And then, of course, right. we see Beckett throwing back the booze again. Yep. Pretty aggressively as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, we knew it was coming with the Cooper dying, but... Yeah. But I will say that he does look ashamed. It does look like he's fighting back the tears. You know, he doesn't look as if he's in a good way. <laughs> no. No, he doesn't. Understandably so. But the whole breath mints thing, I assumed all the way through that the breath mints were to cover up the alcohol. But the fact that Vic was saying, oh, he hasn't needed the breath mints for a while. And then uh, Theo says, again, when they're fighting back at the station, he says to Beckett, you know, where, where are your breath mints? We haven't seen your breath mints for a while. So I, I wonder if they're inferring that if he's not drinking, he's sucking the mints. That he transfers yeah, repli- his yeah he transfers his addiction elsewhere. So then I need to go back and look then because did, was it Maya then who really did start him drinking again? Is the question if he was kind of he was sucking on breath mints that whole time, and it wasn't to cover up the booze. It was instead of the booze, and then she gave him the bottle. Do we then see him? quit with the breath mints are they now inferring that it was Maya that started him up again because I just assumed that the booze and the breath mints went together but it's it seems went like together. it's an either or so I don't know whether it, that's it could no it could be yeah it would be interesting to see the timeline and if the mints with Maya giving him the drink coincide with each other yes yeah so that might be one to go back and have a look at but Cooper says that Beckett is the best captain he ever had so again like who was he before the booze and do we actually question <laughs> Cooper's judgment, actually? You know, because mm. he's not treating his probie particularly well. So is he just not a great guy either? Or was Beckett a great guy, you know, before all of this happened and something, you know, that something bad's happened to him that's made him hit the bottle and he's turned into, in his words, a monster? And I know I wondered that too, like, because they make him seem like this really cool guy when, when the lieutenant from 88 comes around and... um we've only seen this kind of jerk. Yeah. And so it's like, did something happen? Was it the alcohol? Did something happen to make him drink? And that's what flipped him to be this kind of quote unquote monster. Or who's the Beckett that the cap, the Lieutenant saw and who's the Beckett that we see and why, like what, what caused that? Exactly. And I think it'd be really good to see that play out. I think it would be, it would be nice. It would humanize him. And that's what we need. We need a bit of, we all, yeah. we kind of had a glimpse of that when he was with his uncle, with Uncle Vinny in the last episode, and he was kind of yeah. very sweetly saying, wasn't he? You know, come live with me, you know, and 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 I think I said, you know, maybe that's like the man under the under the disease, but you know, the person that we mm-hmm. see all the time is is the al- is the alcoholism, you know, is the is the disease, not, right. not him. So so that'd be nice 
to to see that come into fruition and see a bit of backstory there and try and understand him a little bit more. But other than that, I don't think that did much else for anyone else. I think it was um, a vehicle for Beckett, obviously, to kind of have another downfall. Um, And I also think that they're further setting Andy up to be the next captain. Really? Do you not think? I don't know. I go between Andy and uh, Andy and Maya. I don't know if they'd give it to Maya, considering her. I know, but ventures. It's kind of like I don't know. I I very much think Andy's going to get it, and she should get it. But it's like Maya is working on so many things. You know what I mean? Diane should endorse her. <laughs> Be like, look, the um, work we've done. She's the most stable person in the place. Give her the job. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is she's she's overcome so much to now understand and have a different conversation with Chief Ross. Yes. Um, watch the writers pull a just something completely out of nowhere and make Sullivan captain. Oh god, don't. But no, I think I think that they're setting it up for Andy because Andy's, you know, the one that kind of in the locker room when Theo's all shirtless and mad is like, look, <laughs> look, it's but when she, when Theo loses his doo doo, it's bad, right? When when because he's yeah. like a little puppy dog. So if Theo, sorry, is is mad at life, then you know things are things are bad in the station. But yeah. when he's kind of you know all kind of surly and Andy's the one that says, look, calm down, we can't jump to conclusions, we can't, you know, and she sort of takes point and she kind of tries to be the rudder. She tries to sort of steer uh-huh. the ship steer the out of control ship um and then we've got eli obviously in her air every five minutes saying well you're the true leader of 19 and so <laughs> every five minutes yeah so i th- i think that they're kind of um setting us up for for andy getting the captaincy okay. whether or not i think that that is the correct decision i think that's where they're taking us oh and i can see it and agree with it on a, on a level i mean you know i'm a andy fan um yes i just I do think Maya kicked butt as captain. Um, she was an excellent captain. She was, and she didn't get a lot of time to really get into that role. So I don't know. I, I would love to see Andy be captain because we did see it at, at 23 when she got to step in. Yeah. Um, but I'd also like to see Maya just get to finish her job. She didn't get to finish her job. Maya bossed it. She, was, she did not make she one did. bad call. So. No, she... she she was a great captain. So it's, that's tough. That's why I think they're just going to be like, well, we can't pick between Andy and Maya. So let's just pick Sullivan. Let's <laughs> just go with a, let's just go with a man, which I mean, no, no, do not do that. Writers, please pick <laughs> Andy or Maya because we will not cope well with that. There will be a tantrum. There will be foot stamping and there will be pouting. It might not look as cute as when an Italian does it, but there will be foot stamping and there will be pouting. I cannot get my lip that, that, <laughs> how she, I can't do it. She, I'm going to ask her to do it on demand at the con. Oh yeah. See, see her. And I'll get a picture. books on that lip when she pouts. You could. Bless her. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask her if she'll, uh, when I get an autograph, if she'll record uh, a thing that we can put on that says, make sure you check out station 19, 2020 podcast with Tiffany and Melissa. I'm going to see if we can get her voice to say that. I would die so happy, Tiffany. I'm going to ask her if she'll record it real quick for us. And if Danny's there, I'm going to get her to do it too. Die so, so happy. (laughs) So, well, I mean, I don't see her saying no. She does, because she doesn't. She, I mean, she writes her name on people's bodies for tattoos, so. Oh, for real? Yeah. That's commitment. (laughs) People, people have had her write the, um, 
the Italian uh, Oh Shine Your Light Bella that she was speaking to Maya when Maya was laying in the bed. Oh. And and people have gotten that. And and they've had Danny write the Love Yourself for Yourself, and they've gotten that tattooed in her handwriting. Oh, that's so, sweet. It is, but commitment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so if she if she's willing to do that, we can get her to say a 10-second 10 10-second 10 clip. Oh, here's hoping. So, Fingers crossed. Yes. Sorry, I went no. off. I went off tangent. No, it because that's like well now I can't get back on tangent because because <laughs> you're thinking about Stefania. Yeah. yeah. That's, Sorry. That's definitely not what's happening, Tiffany. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What do what do I have? Um. Yeah. Well, block two. I've got as being um the Jack and we might as well get that out of the way, right? I mean that was yeah because that nothing. was that was a filler. It was total filler. I so well the for a start, Jack says he's covering Montgomery on desk duty. But Maya's uh-huh. on desk duty. Why do we need Montgomery on desk duty and Ergo Jack to cover him? If Maya's Yeah, we've on desk I've never duty, seen I've never seen two on desk duty. That's the first time I've seen two uh of them on desk duty. It's yeah. usually always one. So yeah. I understand that was just a vehicle for getting those two together, but can we be a bit more imaginative about it, please? Thank you. Um <laughs> Take notes. Brick and her friend walk in. Well, I say walk in. One drags the other in. Um, looking, yeah, Brooke and Clara. <laughs> looking very banged up. And they've obviously been in a motorcycle accident. But Maya, bless her, was like, oh, who, who's Brooke? And her face, I was trying to figure out on her face whether the, like, the surprise of finding out that Jack has a sister is, mm. wait, like, why did nobody tell me that Jack had a sister hurt or where the hell have I been? Like, where's my head been at that I didn't even realize that Jack had a sister now? And I, I could, but the, the surprise, whether it was a mixture of the two, you know, like, uh, I think it was this, I think it was the second one. I think she's starting to realize like how much she missed because of where she was yes. at. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But, um, poor, poor lamb. Anyway, they take, <laughs> they, they take car crash one and car crash two uh, to the uh, to the <laughs> barn and start c- cleaning up all their cuts and grazes. I mean, they're clearly intoxicated from the way that they're acting. So yes. it's no surprise yes. when it turns out they've been eating pop candy. And then Jack's face, like he's chewing wasps at the thought of his sister doing drugs. And it's like, uh, excuse me, guy, aren't you the one that was chasing painkillers with beer with hard liquor and got so yeah like, you were popping got popping so pulls with the widow yeah it got yeah. so smacked off his face on halloween <laughs> that he was seeing his lover's dead husband's the ghost dressed as a pirate all the live long day but the but the pot candy he has an issue with it's so funny because i totally forgot about that when she gets the little pills out of the little ziploc bag yeah yeah and, and at least, at least she's doing gummies that are legal, not somebody else's pain pills that you got out of somebody's underwear. <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, Jack. Exactly, exactly. So um, he goes into like dad mode, into protector mode, and Maya starts handing out advice that you know she could have been taking for herself for a number of years, um, which is that you don't have to pretend you're not hurt just so people think that you're tough. Yes. I think that actually she kind of gets that now for the first time. I think she can finally say that with a little bit of conviction. For sure. 
Um, and then Clara, who was riding the motorcycle whilst high, then promptly collapses in Maya's arms um, because she's got internal bleeding. So all their protestations of, yes. we can't go to the hospital, we'll get in trouble. Well, tough, you go in now. Yep. Now you, now you have no excuse. No yeah. reason. Yep. Um, there was that moment. And then even in the aid car, when they're driving the aid car back to the station after they drop her off at the hospital, Maya was just dropping bombs of of advice where i was like look at maya given really good wisdom like relationship yeah Yeah. for sure so that was cool to see but i am think the one moment it just could have been this scene to be honest and it would have got got us to the same place but when jack's got his sister in the back of the aid car and he's been working on clara and he's got her stable and he's saying to his sister it's fine you don't have to freak out and she says i'm not freaking out and he's he says no not on the outside and he said neither do I but there's a hurricane going on in the inside when things start to go wrong and she says yeah same so I think that you know it's nice for Jack to actually have a connection with somebody and and to have someone truly understand him and him to be truly understood because everyone empathizes with Jack and sympathizes with Jack but nobody gets him he doesn't really have like a person yeah everyone has their person except Jack and so I feel like Jack feels like he's now got the glimmer of having like a person who's just his um so that's so that was nice and to your point when they were in the um coming back in the aid car Myra and Jack I did quite like that as well because we got a little bit of we actually got a little bit of old Maya back of like her kind of the way that she used to uh, back back in like season one because season one she was just funny season one she she was was. just hilarious And like, you know, she would kind of have these like really sarcastic exchanges, mostly with Jack, actually, like, oh, you're so hot. Yeah, you get all the girls and like, you know, all this. And it felt like that again, like that sort of um, almost like siblingy kind of um, ragging each other, but but in a but in a nice way. Um, between mm-hmm. the two of them, you know, and and um, she said, "Oh yeah," she just turned up high with a mild, mild head trauma. That's it. She just turned up high with a mild head trauma, just to take pictures with the pole, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to you know, and and it it felt like just more relaxed and more chilled out, and it and it got a little bit of their dynamic back as well. Right? Yeah, because they they had their own whole dynamic from season one to going into three. Yeah, when she um had the affair. So yeah, huge huge dynamic there. So I did quite like that. And then, as you say, like she rounded it all out with, you know, dropping a few wisdom bonds, you know, just yeah. ease into it. Don't do anything that either one of you's uncomfortable with. And, you know, so that was a nice scene. That was kind of um, a bit of a filler. I think you, did, you said it. You said that rightly. But there's not very much Jack in this episode. And also, I don't think the writers really know who Jack is. That's a good thing. That's a good, they, they don't, it's like they're making it up as they go. Right. That's how it feels. I don't think the writers have any idea who Jack is. Yeah. It felt like that this episode. I mean, maybe it's valid because Jack doesn't know who Jack is. I mean, he says in, in the aid car, you know, on the way back, right. That he basically doesn't know who he is unless he's fixing things. Like when he was in foster care, he was the protector. He was the one that would stop people bleeding and would steal food, you know, and that was very much like, his role and that he doesn't know who he is outside of that role so maybe that's fair you know that the writers kind of don't know who Jack is if Jack doesn't know who he is but I think they're gonna have to make a decision about that quite soon (laughs) yeah like sooner than next week or this well I mean you know what I'm saying 
Yeah. Like sooner than before they walk into the writing room because exactly. it does seem like they're just throw they're it's, throwing anything they can at him. Yeah, it just it just seems yeah. a bit floundery with Jack and a bit all over the place. He doesn't really seem to have any direction or any like, and his personality seems different like week on week as well at the moment. So, I agree. And the only other thing that that I would say about that little segment is maybe we get a little bit more insight into Maya's mind because she takes over in the barn and, you know, says, no, I'm the lieutenant, I'm in charge. And she's still making really great um, decisions and taking control of the situation and, you know, is giving, giving out some great advice to Jack. But other than that, I don't think that, like, block did much at all. No, it, it didn't. So, yeah, that ended that block. What do you have for the next block? Well, I had the next sort of thing down to discuss as Travis and Eli. Yeah, that was a fill- <laughs> that was a filler too, though, I think. A lot of uh, funny dialogue, a lot of inspiring dialogue. You know, Travis yes. kind of figured him, he figured himself out, I think, on how to answer questions there. Yes, um, yes. So that was a good block as well. Um, I wrote down for that block that it was kind of creepy to me how Eli was snooping in each room like with the boxes and looking I didn't think he was that creepy like okay what did you think well I thought I mean I thought it was hilarious how thrilled he was to find out that he was in Andy's apartment he was like where are we Andy's apartment he was like ding his little eyes this is Andy's place but I actually thought he was quite restrained like he was you know he was he was just kind of you know gingerly kind of looking didn't like go right in rooms and start rifling through it was just a very kind of trying to keep it chill trying to keep it subtle but also tr- just trying to have like edge around what's behind this door um, yeah, like peeking so, around the corners yeah yeah exactly so i didn't think he was i didn't think he was creepy i just thought you know you remember like maybe you remember i just about remember i've been with julia for 14 years but i just about remember what it's like when you like first have that little crush yeah, and like yeah. everything about that person is so exciting and so fascinating and like you do just kind of want to look at everything and absorb everything I just thought it was kind of cute like because he he is a I mean he acts like a public school boy anyway but he is literally just turns into a little schoolboy, and, and I just thought he, he was you know just being a nerdy dweeby like cute little kind of you know I didn't I didn't see see him as like stalker material I just thought that he was being like desperately uncool yeah just yeah. completely unable to keep his cool. That's so funny. So yeah, I just found it amusing rather than creepy, really. But and then we we find out that there's a third candidate because it's all just been like head to head Travis v yes. Dixon. But now we know that there's a third candidate who's also a councilman. That's possibly interesting. That might give Travis a bit of an out, maybe later on. I wondered that too, especially when he um, he goes back at the end of the episode after he finds out that Cooper died to be with his team. And he's yes. like, I may be trading in my uniform in a couple weeks, you know, yeah. when, or a couple months or whatever. Um, and I thought, well, behind the scenes, we're seeing him as a firefighter still now. So have they just not filmed the election yet? Or does this, this third candidate that we just heard about take over? Because please yeah. don't make it Dixon. Please just don't. Oh, That's God, not man. an option. So, um, yeah, I wrote that down too. as like a, hmm, like a yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah. But he he shows his naivety, doesn't he? Because he starts like the, the first straight out of the straight out of the blocks. He's like, "Well, let's give clean needles to drug addicts." Yeah, um, yeah. which which you know always goes down well, doesn't it? But the way that he kind of Eli holds up his little sign, "Stop talking," but instead he kind of turns it around like a pro and says, "Absolutely the right thing." 
which is, yeah. you know, that we all have to coincide. We know we can't change it. We just need to make it better for everybody. You know, we're all part of this chain. And, and so, we, you know, we just need to make the chain as strong as possible. You know, so good on old Trav. I noticed what a mess this is. Um, this tells you kind of uh, what kind of person I am. The first thing I noticed was the mess that they made in Andy's apartment. They like, did. Look what those, Everywhere. Those disgusting boys have done. Yeah. So that beautifully kept home. I counted eight takeaway coffee cups. Also, what are you doing with eight takeaway coffee cups, guy? Come on. So, Think of the environment. Well, and we but, don't see Andy's apartment that much. Because um, when he said Andy's apartment, I was like, ooh, because we don't see it that much. And it was so no. well kept. So for them to just come in and just everywhere, I agree. Just put all their man mess everywhere. Yeah. So um, Travis, bless him, seems emotionally and physically exhausted. But then we get a montage of him actually kind of really kind of getting into it. And he has like his little um, mic drop moment where he says, don't think about what I'm missing. Think about what I'm offering. Yes. Um, and he says that he knows what Seattle needs because he's lived it. He hasn't watched it from the window in an office. And it's just like, go on, Trav, son. <laughs> no, he killed he killed that that day, that radio PR day for yeah. sure. And he only had seven more to do at that point. Yeah. So he was like almost teary eyed. He was like, I need more coffee. I need more coffee. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I think we covered most of it with Travis and Eli. Again, that just seemed didn't seem like much of a it didn't feel like it got us anywhere, particularly. No. Except for right at the end, when the radio host says, oh, by the way, the latest polls show that you're neck and neck with yeah. Dixon and pulling ahead from the third guy. Um, and sure. Eli is absolutely thrilled and Travis looks terrified. And then, as you say, he, you know, heads back to the station um, and just starts cleaning down the, yeah. the engines. And I thought it was interesting when he said he, he kind of identifies himself as a firefighter. He says, I am a firefighter. But then when he talks about being mayor, he says, but I'll be putting a uniform on, you know, I'll be, I'll be exchanging one uniform for another but he identifies as a firefighter but sees the mayoral role as like almost like a costume i thought yeah. I, th I thought that the way that was written just said that that he doesn't see it as part of his identity like his heart's not really in it you know no i agree the way he said it was very much that that it's not part of who he is who he identifies yeah. as for sure yeah yeah um, and, and it kind of reminded me of um when he uh the the chief kind of picked him out and said you're ripe for promotion yeah. and he says no that's not me i'm not a i'm not a manager of people i know i know what my role is i know who i am and i'm good at this this is what i'm good at this is what i like to do every day and he also said at that point to her that he doesn't want to be the person in charge of like other people's lives he doesn't want to be responsible for other people's lives and if you're in government uh -huh. i mean that's you're you're in charge of all of the lives yeah like that's the job guy like that, that's yeah. your role that's so, your one job yeah so I, I know that he was kind of you know in that moment talking to the to the chief he was talking about sending firefighters into burning buildings but it's the same it's the same situation if you're going to be in government you're literally going to be making all the decisions for all of the people all of the time so i think we know that travis isn't really emotionally cut out for this i think I think in all the other ways he's got it, but Tra Travis is not a, a good like emotional fit for this. And I'm kind of hoping that they've put this third candidate in there as a way for Travis to extricate himself from the situation. Because maybe 
you know what? Maybe Eli is right. Maybe Travis is stupid and noble because he went into this quite naively, like someone needs to stop Dixon from winning. Oh, I'll do it. And yeah. and now he's got himself in a in a predicament that he can't see any way out of at the moment, I don't think. No, I agree. And I honestly hope that they use this third candidate for a way out for Travis because yeah. it's not it's not him. His heart is in the right place, but it's not we need him at the firehouse anyway, so Yes. Um it's just not for him. But because who else is Vic gonna pick on if not? You can't take that friendship Travis. away. You can't exactly. take that friendship. You just can't. Exactly. I mean it's just like it's just like Marina. You can't take Vic and Travis away. I don't know what what do we call Vic and Travis? What do they call that? Travic? Travic. Did I just make that up? I don't know. They should call it Travic. They should. We need Travic. Okay. There we go. There we go. Done. We've just coined it. Done. Okay. Okay. Well, and then we finish out with um, Eli uh, handing uh, Andy her keys back, well, well, lobbing them across the room at her, which is the most manly thing that he's done since he um, entered the show. But what, um, and, and what else happens in that scene? Oh, well, they might share a little smoochy smoochy. Little, little one, just a little bit. But he gave her a really nice <laughs> pep talk, to be fair. Like, I mean, he, I think he earned so I actually, a smooch. I actually wanted to talk about that. So I, this question came up when I saw the preview for next week. Because okay. I feel like she took his advice to heart yeah. in the preview for next week. Yes. Did you did you agree with the advice he gave her? Um, yes. And I think that she needed to hear it from him as well. She needed to hear it from someone on the outside because I think that she's too close to everyone in 19. They've all known each other too long. They're a family. And so I think that you either have a tendency, like with your close friends and the people that you love, to either hype them unnecessarily, you know, because you love them and your feelings for them cloud your judgment. And so then that gets reflected back at you. So if, you know, my best friend or my fiance or someone says, no, 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 you should definitely do that. You, you're the best one for it. You're brilliant for it. Go for it. I just think, yeah, but you have to say that because you love me. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying and that. So, just, yeah. Or you get the, the, you know, the, um, the flip side of that is that people that have known you for years and years and years don't necessarily see who you are now. They might just see you as the person you were five years ago. Yeah, and therefore sure. you might be, capable of something now and write for something now that you weren't capable of write for those five years and so they might overlook you for that so I think that she's got that dual problem at the station that I think maybe somebody maybe like a Sullivan maybe would say would see her as not being the right person for the job and she might see the other members of the firehouse saying you are the right person for the job being you know uh, sentiment over practicality so I actually think that she needed Eli as an outsider to say no no you know you are the right person for this you're not the mild peacekeeper they do need you know someone to rudder the ship they need a firm hand you know that all this neutrality is not getting anyone anywhere it needs someone to step up and you're the person to step up so because you know he I mean is it is he saying it because he fancies her or does he fancy her because that's how he sees her and so there and he finds that attractive in her yeah you know but I I think it's good for her to hear it from somebody who's not part of 19. No I understand and agree it just made me nervous when I saw the preview for next week because she might have taken it a little bit extreme um 
and and what the consequences of that will be. But as for the kiss at the end, we all knew it was coming. I was yelling at my TV. Um, <laughs> I was yelling, just do it already, Eli. Um, I'm not saying I liked it. I, I don't know. It almost looked like two best friends kissing to me, which is always awkward. Yeah, I don't know. You know, on the live that I was doing, a lot of people were saying that he had better chemistry with Travis. And they thought that a kiss was going to happen between him and Travis. Oh, no. I mean, um, I know that Eli's camp, but that's just because he's posh and English. Like, all posh English men are a bit camp. He's a public school boy. They're all a bit camp. Um, okay, so you could maybe see that happening, too. Maybe that's why he came on, because he has a crush on Travis. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I liked it. Because it was spicy, Andy made it spicy, but I just I think it's because I'm not sure about Eli. I'm just not sure about him yet. I'm not. So but we knew it was gonna happen, so it happened and that's it. I still think his heart's in the right place. And he you know, he said he'd asked around, he knows that she likes, she likes dancing, dancing, he wants to take her dancing. That's not gonna go well. English men can't dance. <laughs> we are born with no rhythm. That's so, so funny. Okay. We have well we'll, we'll see. Rhythm. But yes, maybe but... maybe at the maybe on the date I'll like it a little bit better. Maybe I just need to see, you know, just see it a little. I need to see him put a little bit different effort. It's been very flirtatious effort up to this point. Yeah, I want to see yeah. him kind of try to woo her a little bit. You know, I think he wooed her a little bit in the um, in the equipment room. I think that, and she actually asked for his advice. She she made a joke out of it and said, you know, are you if I tell you I don't want your unsolicited advice, are you going to shut up? But yeah. she actively engaged him in that conversation. She wanted, sure. she wanted, she wanted it. So yeah. I think, I think she likes him and Andy deserves to be happy. All power to her. If a skinny, campy little English public school boy is going to do it for her, crack on. Then who knew, man? He's no Italian doctor, but hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? He's no fire zaddy either. We'll just say that. <laughs> It's got to be um. the accent. That's it. It's got to be the accent. We all love an accent. And yep. talking of accents, shall we hit up our Italian doctor? Be sure to check out part two, where we talk tantrums, hotel bathrooms, and exactly what she did to that lasagna. 